accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run-through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're up to the 10th episode of the third season. It's called Fascination. It was, oh, it first aired on November 28th, 1994. Teleplay goes to Philip Lezebnik. Story credit goes to Iris Stephen Bear and James Crocker. Directed by Avery Brooks. In this episode, Ambassador Loxana Troy visits the station to attend the Bajoran Gratitude Festival, resulting in an outbreak of passion throughout the station as people admit their secret feelings for each other. And as always, uh, where sometimes if you uh, or if you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to support the show. If you're at a certain level of tier, you get to guest host an episode. And we are joined by patron Matt. Matt, how are you? Peldor Joy, Wes. How are you? Good, good. Ready to talk about fascination, which is um, I don't think I'd ever actually seen this episode before. So this will be an interesting discussion. I think you're familiar with it, right? You'd seen it before this. Unfortunately, I saw it when it first aired and I watched it for this. It's... um. Well, we'll save it for the breakdown, but we're going to take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. Me and Matt are going to come back, and we're going to break down Fascination. Please, Commander, step aside. I need to speak to Jadzia. I don't think she wants to speak with you. You tell him, Benjamin. I I only want to give her this. A Bajoran betrothal bracelet? It's been in my family for generations. Can I see that? Norice, am I glad to see you? Doctor, I need your help. And I need yours too. You've got to get me away from Kira. I can't keep my hands off him. Oh, it's worse. I can't keep my hands off him. All right, Matt. So, um, you started off with an interesting episode, I think, for your your patron um, excursion into the podcast. I mean, I I don't even. I don't even know if I'd say this was a bad episode. I think it's a really unique, interesting episode. I don't think it's good. I don't know if it's really bad, and I don't know if it's great. But what, what did you think about it? I, I thought it was, to use a common, I guess, uh, uh, notation, it's meh. It's neither good nor bad. It's just kind of there, like a holding position before the next episodes of more dark or exciting come in. Uh, unfortunate, yeah, it's unfortunate it comes right after Meridian, which is Brigadoon in pain. It's just not exciting or anything. <laughs> yeah, I think that the fascination is fascination's weird because it's not universally bad across the board. There are parts of it that are like extremely bad, and then there are parts of it that I really like. Um, the th- the thing that I really like about it is that it is a really strongly directed episode that gives you a really strong pl- a sense of. Uh, place in the station like there's a lot of sweeping camera shots that really link the areas of the station and make it feel like it's a real community that's going on that things are sort of happening as you are dealing with one group of people you're cutting to the next group and things are sort of working their way through it feels very cohesive in a way that the in a way that the cutting of episodes kind of interferes with and it makes it feel that the station is actually a place and the the festival is another interesting thing that I think they really did well, that it, it establishes a sense of community on the station that isn't always there. We had talked about that in civil defense, I think, just in terms of like exploring what the station means and what the station is set up like. And I think this episode does that really well. On the other hand, it has this really dumb plot 
and it's really now that's a mild understatement uh, i mean i agree with you that you do get a large sense of the scale of the station that it's gotten bigger not instead of just seeing that half section of the set that they continually walk on even though that might actually be the case you do get the feeling that there's lots of people there and it the, the this uh gratitude festival which is like a ren festival if you will a renaissance festival you do get a feeling that there's something there um and it does add to a sense of community but that that plot with Loxana Troy is the thing I think that is painful. I think for me the A plot is the bickering between Miles and Keiko actually for the for the balance of it and unfortunately my wife says hey that seems familiar and I kind of almost said shut up but uh <laughs> actually I think I did say that but uh uh yeah that that plot with with her to be there it's not that she needed the money my question is is why was she even on here with running out of ideas uh when I did some research, I saw that they were saying that uh, they wanted something light and 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 almost meaningless before they get into the more weighty episodes. But it feels like we've just had two of them in a row. And uh, that, that last one of Meridian, or actually two ago, when this is being recorded, it was just... Uh, it was just bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the... the my problem with the, the fascination plot line is that it's kind of a the the plot doesn't really feel like it fits ds9 at this point because it's so it's so episodic of an idea and the the reveal is happens at the end so it's not even really i think one of the definitions of a farce is that the audience needs to be in on what the truth of the situation is i would describe this episode as a farce but it's a it's an implied farce because you know something has gone wrong on the station. You don't learn until the last five minutes that it's basically a Sarek ripoff where a telepath on the ship is causing other people to feel things that they're feeling. Um, it, but it also feels a little bit like that next gen episode with Loxana Troy and uh, where she's having that flash memory of her lost daughter. Um, it, oh, it just, right. Dark Page. Dark yep. Page, yes. I, I mean, not as. This isn't as well done, actually, in comparison uh, on just that drama of where she's going on, where she's more of a, uh, a wounded uh, or. or uh, I can't say hurt person or hurt mother. In this one, she has her space menopause psychic attack on everybody, and it, well, and it's not even on anybody. It's on like a almost like a sniper attack on very specific people. You would think that someone losing it, like in Sarek, would go on like a big giant uh, balloon of uh, uh, an area effect. Yeah, like. A sphere of influence around yeah, that, him, yeah, I mean, if you uh, going back to that Sarek episode, I mean, you know, it was like uh, Jordy and Wes were fighting, and they were like three decks away. Meanwhile, I mean, they have it choreographed where every time uh, uh, Troy touches her head, one of the main lead characters touches their head at the same time. But you would think that, and they're always conveniently in front of her. You, you would never, you would think that uh, maybe that would be like people behind her, or that. Uh, this gratitude festival would have a whole different meaning as people are just like, I don't know, maybe boning in the hallway or something like that. But that's just not the case here. Yeah. And, and Go ahead. Well, I, I think that the, I'd see, I didn't even, I did not even notice the Loxana influence on the episode. Like I was, I was legitimately surprised at the end when it's like, well, not surprised because I know that she has probably has something to do with it because she's a guest star who's not doing much else on the show at that point. But the, I didn't make the connection that she was the reason it was happening. I, I had gone through this sort of space Star Trek Rolodex of like, oh, it's an infection or there's some sort of like radio interference or some alien is causing this to happen. Um, I didn't expect such a 
such a direct lift of the Sarek thing, which is fine because I think that's okay. It's just kind of like, should the reveal have happened earlier? Should we have learned that Luxon was suffering from this thing and maybe trying to hide it? Because it just feels inconsistent basically to go through that whole thing. And then once she flips and reveals what's going on, you also have the touching tender moment with Odo at the end, which doesn't feel consistent with the rest of the episode. I feel like they just didn't, they didn't have a, I feel if you're going to go into an episode like this and do a really farcical job, you kind of have to stick to that tone the whole way through. And it doesn't work to stick in serious storylines alongside it. No, I, I think what actually, I mean, it would have been better if she had some sort of reveal in the beginning. I mean, the the first time that you see there's something wrong is when she's grabbing her head in the elevator. I mean, I you know, you could say maybe she needs a space Tylenol or something, but uh, uh, it might have made things a little bit easier to understand. But it's because I think the problem is, is that it's so, again, uh, pointed as to who gets this space madness, if you will. It makes it difficult to, I don't know, relate to it. And it just seems kind of, it, it's not that it's random. In, in fact, you know, it's the command staff and, and uh, other people like Barail and Jake. Um, but uh, uh, it, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, it's the best way I could describe it. I mean, just case in point, just to sort of jump really to the end since you mentioned it, she has one of those attacks in, in the end in the party, yet Keiko and O'Brien aren't affected. And they're right there. It just doesn't make sense. It's it's such a a, a pointed against sniper attack, uh, not the area effect. It only hits Quark, but everyone is standing in the room. You would think that maybe there'd be a switch up of something. Uh, it just it just is not well carried out. Cisco's largely immune to it as well. He doesn't seem to be. Yeah, well, maybe because he was turned off by uh, being come on to by his old man uh, of Dex and. But but at least he had the wherewithal to say, let's get to get to sick bay as opposed to, oh, no big deal. She's just acting silly. Yeah, I, I th- that's kind of the like, I, I think that the it, it's tough because I. I'm a big proponent of one of the things that Star Trek is good at is the fact that it's allowed to do sort of different episodes within its season. Uh, TNG was a good example of that. You can do like genre shows within the season. DS9 has a little bit of a harder time with that because of how the continuity of the station impacts things. So when they have episodes like this, it feels a little bit more awkward that they're having this one-off adventure. And in a weird tie to the serialized nature, they come up with this thing that like the sickness is actually releasing latent feelings that you have for people on your subconscious level. And it's not like it's a totally random thing. So they resolve that with very little explanation, Bashir is just like, well, it's it's deep in her subconscious. You don't want to go talking about that. Um, it, I mean, it, it just could feels... also be. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it it feels like it's a it feels like you're hinting at something there, like it's a naked now or naked time episode where you're supposed to learn something, but you don't really learn anything about anyone because it all feels very random by the end of it. I was just actually going to make a. Uh, uh, there's no Shatner going less. I'm losing my ship on this. It doesn't right. happen. Yeah. I, unless this was just some way to help uh, uh, Nana Visitor's divorce attorney uh, uh, gather information as to why she should no longer be married to her husband at the time. I mean, that's that's yeah. which, that's which is also very strange to me that uh, that entire little episode in in the real life uh, factor of it, so to speak. I understand that the yeah, it was a, <laughs> Nana and uh, 
but Julian Bashir uh, Siddig had a uh, relationship at this point, which uh, one of the listeners has, has pointed that out to me. That since I didn't know that, in fact, um, in fact she had but, his love child. That's uh, but that's uh, something. Don't tell Clay. I don't want him to get upset. So I know, yeah, that's <laughs> and it makes. I guess they're deep in their relationship at this point because she's going to get pregnant going forward. But it's the, the, I think the other problem with this as an this as an episode is the fact that it um. The PG nature of Star Trek stops this from getting to any point where it's actually kind of interesting. And it comes across more like a high school dance that everyone is involved in. Like everyone is just kind of making out and necking or whatever the British uh, slammed, slang term would be for it. But it's no one is everyone is everyone is an adult here. Yet no one seems to want to take that next step to like bring it to the sexual escalation that it seems like it should to get to. And so you're left with this weird grown adults sort of like arguing like teenagers about cheating and things like that. And it comes across very goofy. And I know that the the sex angle wouldn't really sell on the Star Trek level and it doesn't sell with the goofy nature of the episode. But it feels like it's like everyone is just in this holding pattern, as you said, because they can't take it to the next level. But it's also, it's, I've heard, read that it was like uh, trying to be a uh, an homage. I hate that. Everything's an homage. It's an homage to... Uh, the Midsummer's Night Dream, but only yeah. so lightly. In fact, uh, you know, I use X-ray like you do on Amazon. The the thing they were saying, like, oh yeah, it was light and fun, and some good parts were good, some bad parts. Well, you know. In fact, I think that's the exact quote uh, of the of the director of this uh, episode. Um, so yeah. there's a. It also reminded me of another teen farcical thing, like not 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 an '80s uh, uh, John Hughes type of film, but uh, there's a more recent thing in the '90s called uh, "Get Over It," which is also a Midsummer's Night Dream. It's the almost the same thing, except I would argue that that uh, musical comedy did it better, or not musical, but movie "Get Over It" did it better than this episode. So, what's what's your main? If you had to like really hone in on a problem that you don't like about this one, because I I think that my major problem with it is just how inconsequential it all feels at the end and i actually think it's kind of a funny episode like i laughed towards the end out loud the uh the cisco getting punched by Brile and dex knocking Brile out is kind of a, it's, it's a pretty funny shoot uh that they did there well what did you so my, my problem with it is largely you mean besides jake cisco's shirt yeah well besides all the clo- <laughs> the clothing of the future which is terrible but the my i think my problem is just that it is a I alternated watching the episode between thinking this is pretty enjoyable and this is pretty cringy. And it, it hit the cringy factor a little bit too much for me. But what do you think is your like specific I, issue with it? It was, uh, well, I mean, I would actually like to just take out the Luxana subplot out of it entirely and just have the bickering O'Briens for some reason. I, it, it, the, there was a lot of light fun things. I will agree with you. It, it just, but it is the, the matter of it being inconsequential to the story um and it, it just to me it didn't add anything to the lore of the story or or anything else i mean the fact that we're seeing this this uh this gratitude festival they say it's the third one yet we had no hint of it for the last two seasons although you could argue that was for building purposes it just it means nothing to me at the end of the day i i i don't know how else to express it except that it was a kind of a waste of time um, I mean, I, I'm almost can remember, and I'm sure you could YouTube it, the, uh, original, uh, uh, the trailer promotion, which has that voice like this, and it, uh, on the next DS9, 
chaos on on the promenade as people fall in love with each other and the O'Briens fight. Next time it's like, and we're out of toilet paper on deck three. I mean, who cares? It's just, it doesn't add anything. It's not really interesting to me. Um, and when you take a look at it in comparison to Defiant, which I believe is on before this, uh, Defiant has a weight and seriousness to it. And although it does have a couple of light moments, sort of, um, and I don't mean where the nacelles go, but the one before this Meridian, it just seems like that's part and parcel of the same thing. And they bookending a good episode with, well, what, like, nonsense uh, of, of the two episodes. And I think they were just too close to each other. When I had saw it originally, remember, I saw them weekly. Um, it's like, oh, that Dax episode. Oh, this is interesting to find. And then we got, ugh, here we are again. It was just, it was just uh, not well liked by uh, my friends and myself at the time when we were watching it. And it just had no weight. As, as you- I think that the, I think one of the problems with it is that the relationships that they switch around like when TNG and TOS did this, it was always given a little bit of um, slack because well, not slack. It was always given a little bit of uh, criticism because it, when they revealed the character switches, you weren't familiar enough with the cast for it to mean anything. Like when the crew acts crazy, it usually needs to sort of show or flip a relationship or flip a characterization or something. It didn't. It didn't do that in the TNG Naked Time or Naked Now because you didn't really know the crew at that point. I feel like the third season is an appropriate place to do that switch. The problem is, is that all of the relationships that they could flip, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna exclude the Keiko, the O'Brien issues from each other because the O'Briens, I think, are like a different story altogether in the context here. But the Odo and Kira thing is the only relationship that they can really build off of, or that they can show something, and they don't do it here really. Like Odo is constantly attached to mrs troy and you get a little bit of the sense i think this is the first episode where it's explicitly stated that odo has a thing for kira and but it's not really even stated they have like maybe what two lines together and and well loxana mentions that she senses it from odo so that that's like a a confirmation that a telepath has sent something from him but wouldn't they if you wanted the plot to feel like it was a part of the universe i feel like you should have stuck to that storyline a little bit more like odo's uh, jealousy or something should have been spurred by that. And instead, it's it's very tertiary to the entire plot. And I know that they don't want to go whole hog into that, but you have to kind of tie one of the storylines into this and make me care about it, because otherwise it's just sort of random goofiness on the level of Dax being attracted to Cisco. Uh, the O'Briens are a little bit different than that, but we can talk about the O'Briens after that. But what did you think about the... Like, did did you think there's a lack of the Odo storyline, or what did you think? There is a lack. I think Odo is actually treated extremely weird. In fact, he's already starting, like, if I'm going to be hanging out with you uh, humans, and, uh, in fact, he even says something along those lines, the line, like, if I'm going to hang out with you bipeds or whatever. It's like, you've been living with us for how many years, and now you're talking about this? Uh, Odo is is kind of like an afterthought in this episode, and I think that the uh, that they needed something more, like you were saying, to, to show that he liked uh, or likes uh, uh, Kira. In fact, every opportunity that you see Kira, she's either chasing uh, Beryl or running from Jake, uh, and Odo is just standing around swaying to music in a very creepy-looking way. There's nothing there. I, I think that, that makes it a, a lack in the episode, and uh, I don't think they thought it through how he was going to act or behave towards anybody. 
Uh, th and it's almost like they re realized towards the end, like, oh yeah, we should mention that he likes Kira. It there's nothing there, except for one awkward sentence where she says, Peldor Joy. I can't stand that phrase. But they, now seeing it five times in a row, they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, there's nothing. In one sentence saying like, oh, Beryl's coming, you, know, uh, you know, Bishop Creepy is coming aboard? Great. But, uh, there's nothing... I would, for me, there was nothing that led on to the fact other than Troy's one sentence that you like her better that would lead you to believe that Odo liked Kira uh, in, in this one episode. If you were seeing this in a vacuum, you'd have no idea. They were just talking awkwardly. It was, that is a, a weak point. And, and I, I just wanted to harp again. is like, because uh, since having seen this entire series through from not only when it first aired, but, you know, again on random occasions... The, that issue where he suddenly sees himself even more apart than he did before, I thought was handled, handled awkwardly. He, when he was saying, I, I figured I would, it's almost like saying I joined you people for your, for your uh, festival, even though he's known it's been there. It just, it's like he, whoever was writing this did not remember that Odo had been with the Bajorans for a long time and should know all their nuances and uh, uh, ceremonies, at least by now. That's that's what I feel from this. He's he's growing growing as a an individual, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can't really disagree with that. It's a the the thing about the the thing about the randomness is that it it kind of pairs with the O'Briens on some level, except that I find the I find the O'Brien plotline here to maybe be the most interesting aspect of the entire thing. However. The argument and the fight between them feels more realistic than it does narratively interesting on some level, which which is funny. It's like a the, the, what they're fighting about feels like a very, uh, very true to spirit uh, relationship argument that people would have, where it's just kind of like dancing around the issue and not really getting to the heart. And each person has their own perspective on what they want to get done, and people just sort of fight until it uh, hashes itself out. However, yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really, there is no narrative to their fight because Keiko is going to leave again. And I, I don't know, it's it's not like they're going to break up. It doesn't really expose anything about the relationship. I, I like, I'll, I'll applaud the show for writing them more realistically, but it doesn't feel really like it amounts to anything except for the scene at Quark's where O'Brien is sort of um, awkwardly a dick to her about nothing like seeing like you can't go back to the thing or you should stay here it, it, that feels out of character for o'brien but i really like their first conversation in their uh their quarters i thought was a very well-written scene well just because uh i'm married i uh as i you are as well i i can sort of attest to that early uh that when he came on in although i did find it a little bit weird hey molly's asleep because she's drugged out you want to do it is pretty much what he was saying I don't know, you've been on this long flight with the most annoying character in all of Star Trek at this point, uh, for some for some of us. Uh, sorry, Bodie. And uh, it just, uh, it's, it's, it just didn't seem uh, like a, uh, uh, that O'Brien was being nice to his wife after not seeing her for almost two months. I no, but I feel I feel that's a I feel that's a very realistic problem. You could like this guy has not gotten laid in a couple of months, and 
he <laughs> he's trying to be sort of nice and romantic to her and it's just not the right time so she gets upset that he's pushing that and he gets upset because he's like hey we haven't seen each other in a couple months i i i relate to that what i thought was the problem t- became the um the fact that they don't explicitly just talk about it as sex. So it comes across as this weird teenaged interaction where it's like, why aren't you spending time with me? And I had to go to math class. The, That's why. <laughs> right. The, the, con- the conflict is deeper than that. It's just more, it's more mature, quote unquote, mature than what the Star Trek is willing I, to go I with. I agree them. with you on that. I mean, my, uh, uh, the argument that uh, I think was best was in Quark's bar between them. And it was like, like, oh, this guy is ha- telling you all about that. Not that I've had that issue ever before in my relationship with my wife or anything like that, <clears throat> but uh, uh, that was just a joke. The the that did feel like a relationship uh, issue that was there, but they did it so lightly, and maybe it's because it's the course of forty five minutes, and they're paying uh, Majel Barrett by the minute or something like that, and they had to get back to her. But uh, it it was very light, and it fits the high school play nature of the entire episode, although it. It does show that they they have the most mature relationship, I would say, on the entire series, even later towards what Cisco goes through. In my opinion, yeah, across all of the um, across all the franchises, probably like they're they're the most realistic representation. It's just I I feel like they're they're still not written properly as a married couple. No, um, they don't seem like they're really married. Even O'Brien's interactions with her, it's it's too sing-songy yeah like there's this sort of sing-songy like weird false nature to how they talk to each other which i i feel that i wish that they just acted more like they were real people o'brien always gives me the uh the impression and i don't get this from keiko so it's a weird performance he gives me the impression that keiko is a hair trigger temper who will like flip out at the slightest thing and she doesn't really come across that way she comes across as a fairly grounded person so I, I don't know why he's he's always so deferential to her and sort of like trying to like, you know, prepare the ground before she walks. And I don't know why he does that. Maybe during the commercials, she beats him. I, I have no yeah, idea. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's it's just a do, do you what do you think is the flaw in their relationship? Or if you had to like rewrite it, what would you do? I those two? you know, I, I tell him to relax. He seems like he's always on and he's trying. I he's. Ah, they just, maybe it's their chemistry. It just it doesn't seem right. It's like, okay, now we're married. Okay, great. We've been married since the, enter, uh, the USS Enterprise. Uh, let's act that through. It, there's something the way they communicate with each other. If I had to rewrite it, I would maybe tell them to dial it back and, and not be always so angry. And uh, uh, Or maybe that's they're trying to have him as like his PTSD from fighting the Cardassians. But the there's, uh, it's difficult to put a finger on how I would rewrite O'Brien and Keiko to make it better because they're just something where they, although they have the uh, bickering down, um, they don't have this sort of physical chemistry that I'd like to see. I guess between two people, and I think that's part of the problem. I mean, it's not that it's not that they're bad-looking people. It's just there's something where they just don't feel like they were be a couple as opposed to let's say you know in the Joy Luck Club where. Uh, she was actually, there was more of a connection between her and, I'm, I'm trying to remember the actor's name, I just can't place it right now, but uh, here there, there's not there. But I would like to add that that scene in the very beginning I felt was the most correct couple thing where they got off the shuttle and Molly throws up on uh, O'Brien, yeah, on, on mainly O'Brien. because we had that at home where my son actually threw up on my wife and I actually laughed, but that's something else. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I thought that was very good. I mean, I, I like the fact that that in that scene, O'Brien isn't really paying attention. He's kind of distracted by Burial and Kira uh, making out with each other. And so he's not paying attention to when <laughs> Keiko comes back. That felt very good to me. It's just they, I would rewrite them to show them have scenes where they are not bickering with each other mean, like like to, a regular date just, out or something where they go like, hey let's go yeah, out and to, bed up the laundry or something right yeah or just to have them like have a cold open with them walking through the promenade and not arguing about something like just show us a scene where those two actually interact with each other and aren't fighting with each other or having some kind of conflict that they're trying to work through like show us that they actually exist in a real state outside of that that's what i would do you know, now that you mention it, I think that since uh, they've been in, in Next Gen, I think that's all they ever do is argue. Yeah. I uh, I can't even think of one time where they're just walking around like, hey, look at that. You want to go check out Jordy's visor or yeah, anything? It, they're always arguing. Yeah, I that, mean, that's, that's, the one scene they had, I just remember the DS9 where they're walking through the promenade and it ended with O'Brien getting upset about that Jumja stick or something like that. There's no, uh, there's no scene where they are just not fighting with each other or someone else and it just comes, it comes across as a little bit tiresome at the end. Of and it. I hate those Jumja steps. I mean, what, <laughs> what the heck are those things? They're really disturbing. They don't look very appetizing. It looks, um, <laughs> it's just a big stick of candy, I assume, but it, it, it does not look like something that you want to eat. It's a weapon. <laughs> so did you have anything I, we talked for about a half an hour did you have anything else you want to say about this one i don't really i don't know i had a hard time with this one it, it is the most it is and it, it, the feedback i've seen is that people consider this to be a love it or hate it episode i don't know if i would go so far in either direction but i think that the it, it was really weird to me in that it's not an episode where i'm like this is completely awful on some level, I was like, you know what? Some of this is actually enjoyable. It's just got some really bad moments in it that are kind of dumb and I just don't like. So it, it's a weird episode for me on that take. Like I, I, I watched this one and I thought it was a singular experience for a DS9 episode. I'd never seen a DS9 episode that was like this. And I think that that's better than Meridian, which is just Ugh. so bland that it's forgettable. Oh. This is different than that. All right. Well, there's no one saying I've never climbed a tree before. Yes, there... This is just very, very bland. Uh, it has, well, not bland, Meridian bland. It was just, again, a holding place. It's, as I said when I at the started, it's just meh. There's nothing, it's not good, not bad. It's just like, well, we need to fill something in this week slot. I got an extra story idea. Let's just have someone with that uh, weird disease come on for two seconds. It'll be funny. It'll end, and we'll never mention this ever again. Like every good Star Trek plot. Yeah. That's that's there was nothing there. Yeah, like <laughs> they're all that way. That's a. I I have a question. I have a question for you. Do you think that uh, that just a uh, that uh, now looking back on it, do you think Jake Cisco looking at that earring was the basis for Inception? Because if you look at that earring, it looks like the top that they're playing with in that movie. <laughs> Hopefully, it should be. I mean, the the. The, that storyline is interesting. I'm a upset that we uh, their relationship is over. That's very Aww. upsetting. That's very because upsetting of the to me because <laughs> we, we, it's just apparently that didn't work out for him. She went to school, and they're going to uh, they're going to break up over this. That felt like kind of a weird little storyline that got stuck in out of nowhere. Um, and Jake, the Jake and Kira thing, ew. It's just very odd. Like that, I will say that the episode that actually could have been much worse on 
the screen than it was because I was expecting when that started that it was going to be terrible and it turned out to be okay, I think. But it did seem like a crush, like, uh, you know, his dad says it's just a crush. Although, right before the commercial break, that kind of weird staring into the camera with a creepy smile look makes you wonder. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it, it was nothing. Again, that's probably because the entire episode, everything is nothing. It's, uh, but it, it was... We've never seen, we haven't seen an indication of Jake liking Kira to that point, no. right? There's, I don't think, it, that's my problem with it. It's just, it feels like it's made up for the episode. And I feel like a lot of the plot lines here, like the Dax thing, it just feels yeah. made up. Like none of these, none of this stuff actually happens. And I, they almost could have fixed it by having it just say it's not a latent attraction in people. Like there, it's just a completely arbitrary, whoever you see, you sort of fall in love with them at first glance or something, because that fits the... That's how Loxana. You mean so Loxana? She's she's Puck from Midsummer's Night Dream, in other words. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, she she and her as a character is always typically just attracted to the first guy that she comes across. Like she she's very um, she's very easygoing in that sense that she gets very quickly attracted to people that she just kind of bumps into and has to deal with over the story. And that would make more sense if her psychic powers were triggering that in other people and they were becoming more attracted to just people who were around them that would have I, that would have improved the episode it wouldn't have saved it but yeah i, I mean because then it, then but then you would probably have that bacchanal on the promenade and uh you know it it, it would fit uh uh the the bizarreness uh actually what i was thinking uh, right before uh we recorded i actually heard your plato's stepchildren saying it should have been darker that could have been this episode if like you know she right. uh uh, suddenly everyone's like taking out whips and chains or I don't know, event horizon craziness on the bridge, but, uh, not as bloody, uh, or, or dealing with the, the breakup nature, like the cure of this causes legitimate loss of, um, like sort of breakup feelings in them when they, when they go through it or, or they walk around like they're sad. Uh, yeah. But they're walking around in a funk. Yeah. I, I would see that more of a, a more legitimate way of telling this story, but then they, then you're falling into the Sarek routine where everyone's got it just pure emotion over here and and troy is nothing more than lust uh yeah, and right i don't know how you would it's kind of hard to portray that being put on other people with characters who don't actually have a relationship like that to begin with and i think that's part of the problem of the episode like jake jake yeah. doesn't really lust after at least we believe doesn't lust after kira and Peril lusting after dax it just doesn't really makes sense although again because we all snicker at the doctor and kira you know that also uh i believe at that time it wasn't generally known to the public that they had an affair uh it was uh, yeah when seeing it that time you were like ew it just kind of didn't fit so that's the general weakness of this space whatever i still think it should be called space menopause i think that just fits better ds9 um Continued. Their scene with each other just highlighted how awful kissing is on this series. It's like <laughs> it's two people basically like mouthing each other's faces. It's very, it's very. And they're talking. Awkward. Yeah, and they're talking they're to each other. Oh, we got to get to the party. <laughs> hey, wait, wait. Let me kill pick this up and talk about poli- politics on Bajor, which was before. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. It's not. Uh, it's not convincing or well done. I kind of makes you think like did they have to have one foot on like a chair or something for some sort of decency code or something i don't know well they, they can't <laughs> use they clearly can't use any kind of tongue yeah. so it's just people it's just people like open mouth kissing and just like sort of sucking <laughs> <laughs> faces it's very it's very odd but anyway we'll uh we'll 
take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Me and Matt will come back and we're going to break down uh, our own ratings and the patron thoughts for Fascination. <laughs> this is one gratitude festival they'll be talking about for a long time. <laughs> I know I'll never forget it. I hope everything works out for you, Odo. With Major Kira. I don't know what you mean. Oh, don't worry, your secret's safe with me. After all, I know what it's like to be attracted to someone who doesn't necessarily feel the same way. If you get tired of waiting for her. You know where to find me. I'll keep that in mind. All right, guys. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. You also get to guest host podcasts as Matt did today. But anyway, we only have a couple fascination comments. People seem to have listed out everything but fascination. Um, Zam Nuclear Wessel writes, fascination. On some objective level, I should probably hate this episode, <laughs> but I enjoy it. The plot is kind of terrible, but there are great elements. Bashir once again being blind to the fact that he's suffering from the condition he's trying to cure. Dax hiding behind Cisco. Burrell trying to pick a fight. And the unusually mobile camera followed by the following the condition as if it, as it spreads from person to person. Directory Avery Brooks's idea? Question mark. Dumb fun. Yeah. Um, I I, yeah. I pretty much agree with that. It's That's it's, it's neither good thing. nor bad. Is what I I get Zam is saying right here. It's it's it is dumb fun in in a way. Uh, I I guess I'm just looking at it more harshly because the way I I think what I had done was I saw Meridian, then I saw Fascination. Uh, that was my fault, and uh, then I went back to Defiant, and I was like, ah, two in a row, that's terrible. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is meaningless. Uh, I, I don't actually fault Brooks' uh, direction. I was reading that he was uh, uh, opening up, uh, I guess, breaking the Roddenberry strict control on stuff, that's why there's more purple. And I'm not talking about Cisco's shirt, I'm talking about, you know, there's more purple here and there, and they had different angles, I was reading about that. So I thought that was that was pretty well done, and it gives it that area area size of the station. But yeah, you know, it's again meaningless in story wise. Holly McLaughlin says, "Fascination. I love Loxana. Her being so fully herself and so emotionally vulnerable at the same time is really beautiful." Odo is wonderful as a socially awkward guy who doesn't quite know how to handle this. I, I do like their scenes together. Um, I think that Aubergine plays off of her particularly well in a way that is more interesting than uh, Patrick Stewart used to play off of her as Picard. The, um, their, their emotional arc at the end feels too sincere for the episode is my problem. Like the, the way that they bond at the end, I think would have been good if the episode had been anything more than a lighthearted farce, but because it is, and it felt very awkward to me, um, I accept it as real and I accept that that's how their relationship actually is, but it just, it's totally inconsistent, and I count it as a weak part against the writing. I, I I'll I'll agree with you. I, I defer to you on that one, Wes. It's just it's their their relationship is not fleshed out. Maybe if there was a reveal like in the beginning, not not with her with her condition, but saying something like, "I know that you secretly like Kira," because uh, I sense it, and maybe at the beginning, but you should spend time with me. Maybe there would be more of a sincerity towards it to the end, where they say, "Well, we'll just part as friends," but I know your secret. But that's not kind of done here. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Kyle Barrett writes, Fascination. My God, the casual clothes of the future look terrible. <laughs> I think Cisco is in serious need to be featured on a Star Trek edition of Queer Eye. 
It's often described as a love-it-or-hate-it episode, and while I won't fully commit to a superlative, I really enjoy the episode. It's silly, but very entertaining, and Brooks does a good job directing. It's just a sexy version of the TNG episode Sarek, however, with an aging telepath accidentally pushing their emotions onto the people around them. Am I crazy, or would a relationship between Sisko and Dax actually be kind of interesting given their history? Pelder Joy. Pelder Joy to You're you, crazy. <laughs> well, the... I, I think that the... That relationship, if Cisco and Dax had a relationship, it is a more interesting version than the TNG host episode uh, tried to push. But um, that, that's a weakness in the Dax character, which you've discussed, and we've all mentioned in podcasts and on Discord, is that who's driving that? Is Dax Jadzia who has attracted to Cisco, or is this Dax symbiote somehow a symbiote uh, attracted to Cisco, it's it's not really clear, and then you run into the problem: is this is the, the symbiote a uh, zip drive or USB key? Rather, it it that that's what makes that characterization weak, in my opinion. But uh, well, if they're if they had a relationship, the what I like about that story is the awkwardness of being Cisco in that position. Like I I honestly didn't even really think about whether or not it was a symbiote or Jedzia issue. I I really watch those scenes thinking how awkward it was because Cisco calls her old yeah. man like while she's like kissing him and it if like he is intimately knows her as her previous version and that to me adds a little bit more than the the TNG host episode where the slug just goes into Riker as opposed to this new guy and it's like oh are yeah. you really the same thing this is more ambiguous and more weird for Cisco's point of view I think than it was for uh Crusher I agree with you host. on that it's just uh you know, what's interesting is, is, without giving too many spoilers, in later episodes and later seasons, it, it, it kind of rears its head at, towards the end of the season. i uh talking about Esri, but uh, uh, that's something else. But, yeah, I, I could see it as that'd be interesting, but I think the problem would be is, is that you have the commander and his subordinate issue, and this still sort of is a paramilitary group. I, I could see that as a problem um, in this, as all... Later, we even have it with Jadzia and uh, the new uh, edited-on special guest to come on forever. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I see what Kyle's saying where it would be interesting. I just don't think that would fit the dynamic of, of the show with the boss and his, like, science officer having a relationship. Yeah, Lessons lessons has uh, taught us why that would be a bad idea, the TNG episode. Uh, that's about it. There's only three comments for that fascination. People don't really give a fuck about that episode, I guess, which is, <laughs> which is too bad. Um, I think it's... I think it's interesting. Uh, so let's get to our ratings here. I know we have a one to five scale. So Matt, what are you going to give this one on our one to five? Uh, well, it's definitely not a five. Um, I'm going to give it a two. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe like a two and a half, but I'm going to go with two. It's it's not great. It has some problems. I, I can't give it the midpoint. It's just not something that I would say, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch it again or just want to move on <laughs> that's kind of where i am yeah i think that i i think that it had such potential is the only reason i'd be tempted to give it a three i'm going to give it a two because i think it has like substantial problems within itself but the the i have no problem with the concept or the direction or the idea i think that they just really should have done something that grounded it more within ds9 than they actually do and to make it to give the relationships that they're playing off of mean something 
if you're just, I, I don't like the sort of random wackiness and the, the random wackiness is paired with the explanation that this actually means something because these people have these deep feelings for each other, which is ridiculous. That shouldn't have been the resolution. Just stick to the, stick to the idea of a wacky, lighthearted adventure where this is interfering with people's interactions and take the farce angle a little bit farther, like have the interactions play off against each of the other groups as opposed to sticking with them in their groups. And Maybe you would have had something. I'm going to give it a two as well. I don't think it's a, uh, I don't think it's particularly strong, but I think that it's a, an interesting episode. It's, it's a good bad episode, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'll go with that. It's it's so in the middle. It's not so good. It's bad, or so bad. It's good. It's just there to hold the spot till the next episode. Guys, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the place to go. A couple dollars a month you get to get extra podcasts. You can do the captain tier, which gives you a guest post uh, guest podcast appearance like Matt has done today. Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Wes. Sure. And uh, we will be back with, what is the episode? Oh, past tense is after this. We talked about it. So past tense, the two-parter will be after this. Otherwise, all the social media links are in the video description and the podcast blurb. You can go to Facebook, Twitter, Discord, where all the chatter happens. And that's about it. Um, so I think we're done. Yes. Matt, I hope you had a good time. I did. And again, Peldor Joy, everybody. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Peldor Joy. Uh, welcome to the Gratitude Festival. I am, grati- I am, I am filled with gratitude for uh, all of your support and all your listeners. So I'm having my own Bajoran Gratitude Festival right here in this office. Guys, we will see you next time.